a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Up and down the grocery aisles, we've seen inflation hit food products ranging from meat to milk and everything in between. But now, now it's fresh fruit and vegetables. What does that mean for all of us? Well, it means our Super Bowl guacamole will probably uh, be pretty expensive this year. So we wanted to look at what is really driving up the price of these goods. And is it something that Washington, the federal government, can fix? Or are there some things that are just out of their control? Laura Riley's a reporter with the Washington Post who covers the business of food. She sat down with Inside Sources earlier today to talk about why produce prices are going through the roof. Produce has been one category that's been fairly unscathed since the beginning of the pandemic. You know, we've seen skyrocketing meat, et cetera, cereals, all kinds of things. But produce, because partly it's regional, the more regional component of our food system, um, it's a little bit insulated. But this time of year, we really rely heavily on imports from Mexico and South America. And Mexico in particular, um, there are a few things going on there. One is that the Mexican minimum wage just rose by 22% on January 1. So some of that will get folded into the price of the things that we buy. And then they also instituted a new um, produce inspection check at the border. And anytime you slow things down, you increase that price and you make supply, you know, have hiccups here and there. So that's part of what's going on in Mexico. And then for South American produce, so things we buy this time of year from, let's say, Peru. We buy table grapes from Peru once the California uh, table grape harvest is finished. Well, that comes on ships. As we've seen all over the country, those shipping uh, backups in port drive the price of everything up. So whether it's the shipping backup off the ports, and again, I know there's been talk of some of the progress that has been made in terms of the backup there. But uh, a lot of that we have recognized uh, is just that they've backed the ships up a little further. So they're technically at sea and not at port. Uh, so that's also a problem. Also interesting uh, that uh, Laura noted that uh, increase to minimum wage in Mexico is also part of this factor of, of what is driving some of those prices up. As we were talking with Laura inside sources, uh, we also talked about what else might be driving or being a factor to that. And she had an interesting one. She said some of this may be to the, due to the tastes of millennials and Gen Z. Some of this may be driven by the pandemic, that, that a lot of us are a little bit more concerned about our health than we were a couple of years ago. And we want to get those antioxidants and those superfoods and things like fresh blueberries and orange juice. I mean, orange juice had slumped massively in the past seven or eight years. Um, just I think people worried about the, the sugars associated with, you know, a big glass of, of cold orange juice. Um, but the pandemic kind of drove people back to seeking out high vitamin C foods like that. Um, 
so, and we also have this ever larger group of uh, millennials and Gen Z who are, you know, spending their money at the grocery store. And as a group, they tend to gravitate towards fresh fruits and veg. They're not, you know, I grew up on canned veg or frozen veg. So that's kind of what was the side dish, right? But I think that they really have, have, have grown up in an age where everything is fresh. Nothing is in the can or, or in a bag in the freezer. Um, and so it's driven up the price for some of those fresh fruits and veg. Laura also pointed out to us that these higher prices are having a downstream negative effect, even for places like schools, uh, food banks, uh, and a host of other places. The school meals programs have been affected and food banks as well. So food banks um, are still running way higher in terms of need than they were pre-pandemic, even though, you know, we kind of feel like we're hopefully knock on wood getting to a better place in terms of food insecurity and the, the, the sheer number of unemployed people because of the pandemic. But um, that need is still high and donations are down and fresh fruit and veg, they've seen spikes uh, kind of in the 20% range in the past few weeks, really since December. Um, and obviously that drives up their costs. So I think it's really interesting to look at uh, both directions of that. You go upstream in terms of what it's costing to produce and to ship and how the supply chain is impacting all of this. And you go downstream, start looking at some of those things. I thought it was fascinating that Laura pointed out the impact this is having on school lunch programs. Uh, food banks are being impacted by uh, this higher cost as well. Finally, we asked Laura about whether the Biden administration or anyone in Washington is taking up this issue or trying trying to solve the problem in any way. I think the White House and the, the USDA have really been focused on those meat prices, those kind of suspiciously high meat prices that they've done a lot uh, legislatively and regulatorily to put more money into the system to encourage small processing facilities to get rid of some of that bottleneck and to make the, the four big meat companies that kind of have power over the largest supply, you know, 80% of the meat supply, maybe create some more competition there that would in turn would drive down some of those prices. So there's not been a lot of thought yet brought to bear on fruits and vegetables, um, as far as I've heard. So again, that's our conversation from earlier today with Laura Riley. She's a reporter for the Washington Post. She covers the business of food. And sometimes we don't think about that until we have to think about that. And uh, we're glad that uh, Laura was able to think about that for us and help us understand some of those things that are driving. We we know we have inflation impact uh, that is that is coming along. We know there are rising wages uh, here in the U.S. and as Laura pointed out, in other places as well, including Mexico, uh, where wages have gone up. And so, of course, that's increasing costs. And then shipping and supply chain and all of those things are are adding to that. Fuel prices uh, for those uh, trucks and trains that are moving that food and fuel around the country to to get it to our uh, kitchen table. And so all of those, to me, are really interesting in terms of where we are and what's happening and and what's not happening uh, in terms of Washington, D.C. We'll get some more inflation numbers a little later this week. I think on Thursday we'll see another little insight in terms of where inflation is heading. But all of that impacts both upstream. It's impacting the, the companies that are supplying our fruits and vegetables. Uh, it's also impacting everything downstream as well in terms of the, the cost of that to restaurants and to small business owners, to grocery stores. And ultimately, it lands on all of us as consumers uh, that we end up paying those higher prices. So it's one we're going to continue to monitor. We're grateful to Laura Riley from The Washington Post for helping us break that one down today. We're going to step aside for one last commercial break. 
final segment of Inside Sources on a Monday coming up next. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.